Everyone, please be seated. Good evening and welcome to the June 20th, 2022 Williamson County School Board meeting. Board members, will you please record your attendance? Ms. Apriya? Present. Thank you. Ms. Apriya is joining us via live feed this evening. We have 10 board members present. Thank you, sir. We will now um, recite the Pledge of Allegiance, followed by a moment of silence. And I'm going to ask our deputies, Deputy Gorman and Deputy Hisong, to lead us, please. Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. We now move on to items of particular public interest, our public comment portion of the evening. We have three speakers signed up to speak this evening. Um, and so since we have only three speakers, you will have up to three minutes to speak. So our first speaker this evening is Ashley Webster. Now it is. Okay. Hi. My name is Ashley Webster, and I'm speaking tonight as a parent and a citizen. Tonight, I want to address a couple of topics. First, I'm really grateful to the Policy Committee for its thoughtful consideration of the Code of Conduct and the concerns brought to light by one Wilco advocating for fair and equitable application of disciplinary consequences, regardless of race, and adding restorative conferences to the available disciplinary actions. Second, if the goal of the changes to start or dismissal times is to improve student outcomes, please consider the sleep needs of students as being an equally important priority when making changes to the start and dismissal times for secondary and elementary schools. The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that secondary schools should not start any earlier than 8.30 a.m. because teenagers experience a biological shift in their sleep cycles, making it hard for them to fall asleep before 11 p.m. and waking up before 8 a.m. And I know there are a lot of people here tonight who have children, and you remember when they were babies, and you had to wake up in the middle of the night to change them or feed them or console them, um, and you know what it's like when your sleep is disrupted or you don't get enough sleep or you don't get the right quality sleep. And I think even since many of us had babies, scientists and doctors have learned a lot about the importance of sleep to our bodies and to our minds and to our endocrine systems um, and how vital it is to get enough sleep. So for optimal outcomes for students, 
performing on tests and also their mental health, um, I would just urge you to consider their sleep cycles. And tonight you may vote for a short-term gain in teacher planning time, which I fully support. I heard, I listened to the work session. I know it's very needed, um, and but I urge you to consider in the long run sleep as an equally important contributor to improving student outcomes. You could, in the future, flip the start times to where elementary school students started earlier and secondary school students started later, and then everyone could take that Wednesday afternoon early dismissal. Um, so that is a possibility for, um, I think, it was mentioned that perhaps in the next strategic plan that there would be a discussion of that. So thank you so much. Our next speaker is Judy Solon. Hi, good evening. My name is Judy Solon, but you just met my new best friend over there. <laughs> I live in Franklin and have had two kids graduate from WCS recently. And I'm here to speak about healthy school start times, as you might have guessed. Um, my speaking time is brief, so please refer to the email I sent all of you earlier today for more details. Um, as you know, I've been coming to this board on this subject for seven years, so I'm tired. I'm sure you're really probably getting tired of me. Um, but that is all nothing compared to how incredibly deeply tired our teens are in WCS. And I just can't give up on them. You're voting tonight to possibly eliminate the only 27 days where a lucky portion of our teens can get a healthy amount of sleep on a school night. I can tell you right now that will be soul crushing. I want to thank the board members who reached out to parents and students for feedback. I think you may also have the sense that eliminating late start days would not be well received. Our secondary schools start well before the 8.30 a.m. minimum start time, which has been recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics since 2014. In the years following, many major health and psychological organizations issued statements supporting this same policy. Uh, just as a reminder, teens experience a two-hour biological shift later in their sleep cycle while their brains are undergoing rapid restructuring. This means they release melatonin later at night. Uh, they need eight to 10 hours of sleep every night for their development and have difficulty falling asleep before 11 p.m. and waking before 8 a.m. Chronic sleep deprivation affects every aspect of a teen's physical and emotional health, their alertness behind the wheel, their ability to learn and retain information, and their safety and performance in athletics and extracurriculars. I think we can all agree that teens today are experiencing unprecedented mental health distress. Two early school start times have been shown over and over to harm teen well-being. The first thing to do to help students' mental health is to stop hurting it. Also recognize that some students are hurt even more than others due to the stress of discrimination, harassment, and other factors. Teens in various subgroups get even less sleep. In particular, teens of color are disproportionately likely to sleep poorly. Getting enough sleep helps teens cope by providing an emotional buffer against stress. I fully support the need for teacher collaboration time 
And I'm impressed by how quickly WCS staff generated childcare solutions and second bus runs for these days. It just goes to show that where there's a will, there's a way. And I ask you, Mr. Golden, staff and board members, to have the will to lead our district and community through the process of restoring healthy school hours. Thank you for the time. As promised, I have this book for you, Mr. Golden, so I will you can send leave it, it down. Leave okay. it with you. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is James Lyles. Mr. Lyles? Okay, looks like he's not here. Thank you, speakers. Our next item on the agenda is the superintendent contract review and extension. This is an annual agenda item. Do we have a motion to approve? Mr. Wimberly makes the motion. Mr. Welch makes the second. Board members, is there any discussion? Oh, Ms. Osbrooks just told me she has something from Sheila Cleveland who is not able to be here. Ms. Sheila Cleveland asked me to read this into a record. Apologize for not being able to attend tonight's school board meeting to support Superintendent Golden and his contract renewal. I'm out of state for my daughter's wedding. In my opinion, Mr. Golden has followed and carried out the board's strategic plan and mission statement far beyond the minimum expectations with integrity and compassions for students, teachers, and staff. He continues to find new ways to improve communication, not only to WCS parents, but to all Williamson County residents. In a country that has thrown education in the political arena during this election year, Mr. Golden manages to stay focused on what is important, students' education and maintaining the reputation of Williamson County Schools as being the top performing school in Tennessee and known throughout the country. I am confident he will continue on this course in the future. Our next speaker is Mr. Wimberly. Uh, actually, I would echo what uh, Ms. Cleveland had to say, to say but I, I would um, make the point that among other things that Mr. Golden has done is he has led us through what is perhaps the most tumultuous period that we've ever uh, experienced. Uh, was it perfect? No, but by golly, our schools were open most of the time, which is something that other school systems in the country can't claim. And I'd ask you to imagine what would happen if we had to replace Mr. Golden. Imagine the, the effort that would be involved. Imagine the potential loss of continuity. Imagine how tough it is to, to hire people and retain people in this environment. And just imagine Williamson County Schools without Jason Golden. Now, if we as board members have had an issue with, with any of the decisions he's made, then I say we should tell him and move on. So what I would ask is that we do what, let's do what we normally do. Uh, let's extend his contract for another year, which I think uh, our practice of doing that has served the county extremely well and is partly responsible for the excellence that we experience here. Thank you. Mr. Ha. Thank you, Chair. Uh, I, I, I would like to echo what my colleagues have stated and, and remind all of us that 
in just over two years ago in, in March of 2020 and April 2020 when the governor ordered all schools closed, we were really left without a lot of guidance. And, and into the summer, there were no metrics on reopening. There was no really meaningful, actionable framework for which we could make decisions. And I remember that in June, when we were discussing our framework for reopening, Mr. Golden emphatically stated, students need to be in school, and that is our number one goal. And in the face of rising cases and variants that came through over the last couple of years, uh, we, we largely held true to that goal. And I really appreciate his efforts to do that. And at times I was frustrated with some of those. And, and I know there was a lot of pressure from all directions on, on many aspects of that, but keeping kids in school was what he wanted to do. And, and it's largely what we were able to do. And that was while being cautious and accommodating and very considerate for our teachers and staff who had health concerns and family concerns. So we, we never thought that that was an easy decision and it required a lot of behind the scenes planning. And I think that his staff did an excellent job of keeping us apprised of some of the decision making. At times we didn't agree with it, but I think that as a board, we discussed it effectively and constructively and arrived at the best solutions for the students and the staff. We, we were able to hold graduations in person in July of 2020, and I was extremely skeptical that that would happen, but it was, it was wonderful that we did. Uh, many schools and colleges canceled their graduations altogether that year, and I know some are just now getting around to doing the makeup for those. So being able to do that in kind of a, a novel way that we were able to do it was, was great. We've seen unprecedented raises and closing the gaps in competitive pay for our teachers and staff. And, and I, I think back to um, one occasion, we had a TSBA regional meeting and this was, I think in Jason's first year of employment as superintendent and unsolicited, this is, an, this is a meeting where a lot of districts get come together, board members and superintendents to share successes and challenges across the regions uh, in, in Tennessee. And one of the superintendents that was there, totally unsolicited, just came over to our board and said, you've got a good one here. <laughs> and, uh, and that person was right. But it gave me another indication of how well Jason works with a group of stakeholders that we don't necessarily have visibility of, but the collegial relationship with other superintendents and sharing best practices and helping others and, and being a resource for other districts is, is really important for our state. And I appreciate those efforts too that largely go unnoticed. Um, we've had excellent communication with the board and stakeholders. Uh, your, Mr. Golden's emails are exemplary in, in the way that he'll break down an issue, give us context in his decision-making while still being open to feedback and additional input. And, and I always really appreciate that. And I see that with the county commission and the county mayor as well, that you've established a great level of trust that we all benefit from. So I am, I am excited to extend this another year and, and uh, look forward to, to this vote. Mr. Welch. So I'm not gonna restate what Sheila, Rick and Casey have already said and said more eloquently than I ever could or, or would. 
but um, I will say that these contract extensions uh, in its most basic form is a simple way for the board to say, do we continue to support you, yes or no? And I mean the board, but also as individual board members. That's what this vote means, boiled down. It doesn't mean that we have to agree with you on every single issue, that we don't have uh, disagreements here or there, but at the end of the day, it is a signal to you, to your staff, to our teachers, to the community at large, with our parents, our business community, whether we support the continued uh, leadership of, of you ahead of our school district. And I wanna give a very clear vote that yes, I, I do. Um, I look forward to having you lead our school district for many years and enthusiastically uh, voting yes to extend your contract. And I'm very proud to be able to say that publicly and put my name on that vote today. Mr. Galbraith. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, so. Jason, I, we had, uh, I mean, I, I think we're, in a lot of ways, this is, uh, we're reviewing your last two years, it sounds like, and so, which is, I think, kind of kind of appropriate, um, but, because uh, it's been really significant, um, I guess a really, really significant kind of series of events, obviously, with COVID, and, um, but I was, uh, I was pretty critical last year, um, and because uh, and I and I try to be objective around the around the the goals and and the the review that we that we've given the rubric and so um, this year um, you know I've I look at it on it on its face and I think you did a did a great job in a in a couple areas and so I appreciate the um, the the fiscally responsible budget that was a big piece of uh, of your goal this year and being able to to pay teachers more in, a, in that time uh, was was very um, was very good. Uh, I think you had the kind of the unanimous support of the of the board in doing so. Um, there were there have been a couple of things that um, that I think we've talked about that um, that I think have room for improvement overall. Um, I think that um, that you met my expectations um, this year and I, I will be voting to um, to extend your contract, I think just fundamentally, and we talked about this. Um, fundamentally, I just I wish we would um, that we could not have the expectation to to require that a that a one year um, extension every single year is is the expectation. I don't. I just don't think that um, is a good way to to govern. Um, I would rather, and this is not this is not new to to Jason. This was my stance prior. Um, with the previous superintendent, but I would I would rather see us do this every two years, especially in light of the fact that there that this is essentially a two year contract and we're making a two year commitment. Um, and so it would give it would give room to not make it every year. We don't we evaluate every year, but then we decide if we want to extend every two years. Um, that's not where we are right now, and so I understand the perception of what this means. And, and this year, I I will vote yes to. Uh, to reflect my uh, my evaluation. Thanks. Board members, I don't see anyone else requesting discussion, so you can please cast your votes. Ms. Priya, would you please cast your vote? Yes. 
we're having a little trouble hearing you, but I believe you said yes. Is that correct? I did. Okay, yep. great. Can hear you now. Mr. Galbraith and Mr. Wimberly. That's okay. Your vote is nine yes, one no. Thank you, board. Mr. Golden, would you like to say anything? Well, thank you, uh, uh, Madam Chair, for that. And uh, I will say it's it's easier to hear criticism than it is to hear praise. Uh, it's very humbling to, to hear that from you all. I want to make a couple of quick comments. What a team we have. We have an incredible leadership team. And I'm, when I talk about leadership, I'm talking about everyone in the district. Somehow, some way, everyone who serves our students uh, is is leading and I, I notice we have a number of our principals here tonight. I want to thank you all uh, for the work you're doing and it's interesting that we had a couple of references to COVID. Um, from a team perspective, we've moved past that. We're not spending time talking about that. Uh, that that old line about keep moving forward. That's what we're doing right now. Uh, we're moving forward. I'm so proud of our students. When you do reflect, you see that uh, that what our students got out of the past two years was in large part a product of that effort. And that makes me proud of, uh, of our folks and the, and the effort they did. We're gonna continue that. This is hard, hard work. And I don't know that I emotionally grasped that fully uh, when we started and maybe that COVID part was part of it, just emphasizing how hard it was. But oh my goodness, hard work pays off. So thank you all. I look forward to this coming fall when we talk about our strategic plan, we get our stakeholders involved and uh, our community just jumps in with both feet in that engagement process that we haven't done uh, in the last six years. I'm looking forward to that. So thank you. Thank you. Our next item is the approval of tonight's meeting agenda and board members, there is one change that I want to make sure you're aware of before we take this vote. Um, we had two board members request that um, the student code of conduct policy be removed from the consent agenda and put on uh, the agenda as a new business item. So board members, if you'll please cast your votes on tonight's agenda. Oh, excuse me. Board members, uh, um, motion? Mr. Brown makes the motion. Mr. Mitchell makes the second. Board members, any discussion? not, please cast your votes. Ms. Apriya? Yes. Ms. Apriya says yes. Your vote is 10 yes, zero no. Thank you, board members. The next item is approval of the consent agenda. Is there a motion to approve? Mr. Welch makes the motion. Is there a second? Mr. Wimberly makes a second. Board members, any discussion? If not, please cast your votes. Ms. Apriya, how do you vote? Yes. Ms. Apriya votes yes. Your vote is 10 yes, zero no. Thank you, board members. With that, 
You have approved the May 16th, 2022 school board meeting minutes, and you've approved the following board policies on second reading, charter school applications, enrollment in advanced courses, which is a new policy, drug-free schools, a new policy, and zero tolerance policy. You've also approved field trips and a Approve the ePlan's FY22 literacy teacher, excuse me, literacy training teacher stipend grants, early reading training, and secondary literacy training, and approve the 2022-2023 SAC tuition fees. We now move on to communications to the board. And the first thing is the superintendent's report. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. It's June and not a lot has changed um, from Thursday night when we had our work session to today. So I'm not going to rehash that. Certainly welcome uh, anyone to go back and look at the video where we, where we gave some specific highlights related to that. And so I am going to immediately turn it over to Carol Birdsong for some student and staff spotlights. And Madam Chair asked that I be able to add a couple of highlights after Ms. Birdsong's report. Sure, please remind me. Ms. Birdsong, one moment, please, because we definitely want to hear this. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, you do want to hear it because we are celebrating our athletes across the county tonight. And you all may remember that this year we joined the Tennessee Middle School uh, Athletic Association. And my goodness, have we made a showing. We have 10 more state championships to add to our list this year for a total of 16 for the entire year. So let me introduce you to Braxton Alexander from Legacy Middle School. He is our Division A boys long jump champion. His coach is Dalton Howard. This is Keenan Fisher from Brentwood Middle. Uh, he is our state champion, Division 2A, boys 110-meter hurdles. Nathan Cummings and Dennis Harrison uh, are Keenan's coaches. From Grassland Middle School, this is Luke Thompson, Division 2A, boys 400-meter dash, state champion, Ike, uh, Alexander Eichner, his coach. From Legacy Middle School, and Miss Alicia Justice is here in the audience if you all haven't noticed, but uh, she is here celebrating uh, her, her state champions. Uh, this is the 4 by 100 meter Division A relay champion team of Braxton Alexander, Henry Deming, Daniel Dalton, the coach. Woodland Middle School, 4 by 400 meter relay in Division Two. Simon Hedrick, Jack Palmieri, Cole Montgomery, and Brennan O'Donnell, Andrew Swanson, their coach. From Brentwood Middles, this is Daisy Altsfall. She is the Division II Girls High Jump Champion, Nathan Cummins, Dennis Harrington, her coach. From Legacy Middle, Larkin Johnson, Division A Girls 1600 Meter Run Champ, Dalton Howard, coach, and also from Legacy Middle, Jensie Knight, Grace Ashby, Emma Reed, Division A girls four by 100 relay championship team. From Fairview Middle School, Division A girls four by 400 meter relay championship team. Reese Leron, Caitlin Cole, Andy Leron, and Layla Curtis. Their coaches, Rebecca Singer and Ryan Pett. 
and winning the overall Division A girls team track and field state championship, Legacy Middle School, Dalton Howard, again, the coach. Now, we're going to move to TSSAA. Those are the high schools, as you well know. Uh, most in history, folks, that I've kept record for of TSSAA state champions this year at 28 total. So we have many to celebrate uh, this evening. These, your page high, Division II boys soccer champions. Nathan Clapp is the coach. You may remember that the Page girls also won the state championship earlier. All right. Then also from Brentwood High School, Division III A boys soccer champions. Mike Purcell is the coach of the Brentwood team. Also at Brentwood High School, we have the Division II A girls tennis championship team. This is Disha and Nisha Jabalga, MC Meyer, Joel Kirkordian, and Holly Cochran. Haley Stover is the coach. Also from Franklin High School, we have Lisa and Sophia Mishi, and they are the Division IIA girls double champions. Matthew Lechita is the coach. From Page High School, this is Cole Combs, and Cole is your Division II Boys Discus Throw champion. Marco Harris is the coach. From Brentwood High School, Aiden Carter, Division IIA Boys Decathlon champion. Joe Tabores is the coach. From Ravenwood High, this is Reagan Grimes, and Reagan not only won the 3A girls shot put as seen here, but also she won the 3A girls discus throw championship. Pete Mueller is Reagan's coach, and she is uh, a repeater. You've heard her name before. From Centennial High School, and Division Three field track and field girls 800-meter run champion, Coach Nolansville High School, Claire Stiegel, Division 3A, girls 1,600-meter run, and y'all, she also won the 3,200-meter run. Kyle Manderfield is Claire's coach. From Brentwood High School, team in Division 3A, Sophia Rutherford, Peyton Strauss, Rachel Howes, and Carrie Patinas. Joe Fedorzis is the coach. Nolansville High School, Elise Dobson, Division 3A Girls Outdoor Pentathlon Champion, Kyle Manderfield, the coach. And here is your TSSAA State Division 3A Track and Field Girls Team Champions from Brentwood High School. Woo, that's a lot to celebrate, y'all. So congratulations to all of our athletes. Thank you, Ms. Birdsong. Mr. Golden? Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, there are a number of other organizations, private organizations, that, that support competition for our students. And we've talked about them off and on over the years. Uh, we talk about club sports and some others. And I wanted to give an annual review of some of the successes that our students have had 
while being served by other organizations. We're not going to hit everyone because there are probably a lot of things out there that, that we don't know about, but we do know of some, and I, I felt like it was important for us to, to mention that. Uh, number one, Special Olympics, a pretty impressive organization over the course of decades. We have a student who won a gold medal in the mini javelin this year at the U.S. Special Olympics. Uh, Bethany Steinman from Nolensville High School, pretty neat, wanted to mention that. Matthew, oh, oh. just like Carol, we may have a number of, uh, of moments for applause <laughs> over the course of this. We have a 20 year, 20 plus year volunteer assistant football coach at Brentwood High School by the name of Matthew Drumright, who won the gold medal in golf at the Special Olympics this year. So for those of you who know Matthew, I know you're smiling. Uh, so congratulations to Matthew Drumright for the gold medal at the Special Olympics this year. Uh, next. Next, uh, uh, in lacrosse this year, the Tennessee Girls Lacrosse Association State Championship is Franklin High School. The Tennessee Scholastic Lacrosse Association's champion, which is the boys lacrosse, is Ravenwood High School. So our team swept that, led by those good organizations. Tennessee Rugby Association, Ravenwood Girls won the state championship. The Ravenwood Boys won the state championship. In swimming, the Tennessee Interscholastic Swim Coaches Association, uh, Tiska, I think is how they, uh, how they, just, they uh, describe their acronym. Zoe Summer from Centennial High School won the women's 200-meter individual medley and the 100-meter backstroke at, the, at their state championships. She was named an All-American uh, in that group as well. Morgan Carteau from Ravenwood won the women's 50-meter freestyle and the 100-meter fly. She was named an All-American from that organization. Lindy Hunter from Brentwood High School won the women's 100-meter breaststroke, another state championship. Uh, and the Ravenwood High School team won the women's 200-meter free relay. That included Morgan Carteau, Caroline Gray, uh, Lane Cartillier, if I pronounced that correctly, correctly, maybe Lana, and Maddie Schaefer. So congratulations to those uh, in swimming. Finally, in cheer, which is uh, a state championship that is affiliated with uh, TSSAA, not officially one of their teams, but has some affiliation with TSSAA, at competition cheer at the state championships, our students from Centennial won the large team state championship. Our students from Ravenwood won the medium team state championship. And our students from Franklin won the small team state championship. And at the middle school state championships, Woodland students won that. I may be wrong because I'm not quite familiar with all the all the the sections and the competitions, but that feels like a sweep to me. So I want to thank those members of the community who serve our students, who serve your children in other locations at other times. These, this is just a glimpse of the greatness of our community. And uh, there's just so much good going on in our community. And I'm, I think it, there's some value in us emphasizing that. So, Madam Chair, back to you. Thank you, Mr. Golden. Uh, the next item is the board chair report. I have nothing new to report since Thursday. 
except I just want to say congratulations to Mr. Golden. Um, during the last two years, we've spent a lot of time together in meetings talking about very, very difficult topics. And sometimes um, Mr. Golden has, has not been treated the way that I think that um, is the appropriate way to, to treat someone. Uh, and, you know, it's just as part of the times right now, but I, I wanna say, I always feel like he's led with integrity and always um, been a good example of how a leader should lead. So thank you, Mr. Golden. Thank you. On to new business. Oh. Oh. On to new business, the 2021-2022 school board budget. The first item is approval of the Central Cafeteria Fund commodities. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. This is a USA-directed uh, accounting uh, completion for the end of the fiscal year. We do recommend approval. Do we have a motion to approve? Mr. Mitchell makes the motion. Mr. Cash makes the second. Board members, any discussion? I see no requests for discussion. Please cast your votes. Ms. Apria. Yes. We could hear you that time. Great, thanks. Your vote is 10 yes, zero no. Thank you. Our next item is the approval of the General Purpose School Fund. Final year-end intra-category adjustments, Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, for the general purpose school fund year-end category adjustments, which of course we do annually, we do recommend approval. Do you have a motion to approve? Mr. Wimberly makes the motion. Is there a second? Mr. Brown makes the second. Board members, any discussion? If not, please cast your votes. Ms. Apriya, how do you vote? Yes. Ms. Priya votes yes. Your vote is 10 yes, zero no. Thank you, board members. Our next item is the approval of the Central Cafeteria Fund final year-end intercategory adjustments. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. Likewise, uh, the same for the Cafeteria Fund. I do want to mention very quickly that this is a self-contained fund. It is uh, funded by federal dollars plus, uh, plus costs from our families. Most recently this past year, that has largely been federal dollars based on the programming. We do recommend approval of this adjustment. Do we have a motion to approve? Ms. Durham makes the motion to approve. Mr. Mitchell makes the second. Board members, any discussion? No discussion, please cast your votes. Ms. Apriya, how do you vote? Yes. Ms. Apriya votes yes. Your vote is 10 yes, zero no. Thank you. Next up, approval of extended school fund final year and intercategory adjustments. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. This is the final of our three year end adjustments for our budgets. Do recommend approval for the extended school program. Motion to approve. Mr. Mitchell, second Mr. Brown. Board members, any discussion? No discussion requested. Please cast your votes. Ms. Apriya, how do you vote? Yes. Ms. Apriya votes yes. Your vote is 10 yes, zero no. Thank you. 
Approval of Education Capital Projects Fund, Intracategory Cox Road Elementary. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. The bid for the new Cox Road Schools wastewater treatment plant came in and it was above budget to the tune of $780,000. Do recommend approval of, of uh, this adjustment to be funded from remaining rural funds. R uh, recommend approval. Do we have a motion to approve? Mr. Hall makes the motion to approve. Is there a second? Mr. Mitchell makes the second. Board members, any discussion? No request for discussion. Please cast your votes. And Ms. Apriya, how do you vote? Yes. Ms. Apriya votes yes. Ms. Durham? I have to hit it a little harder there. Thank you. Your vote is 10 yes, zero no. Thank you. Next item is Educational Capital Project Fund, Brentwood Middle School, ITF. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. This is a request for $40 million, which is the second large uh, funding amount for the Brentwood Middle School replacement project. It also includes furnishing and equipping the school with technology and other needs. Uh, we will, upon your approval, if you approve this, take this to the County Commission. Uh, for the uh, for the final funding request to get that project completed. The costs are going up just like everything else. And we had some detailed discussions about that as at the work session. Do recommend approval of this funding. Is there a motion to approve? Mr. Galbraith makes the motion. Is there a second? Mr. Mitchell makes a second. Board members, any discussion? Mr. Mitchell. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Jason, so for this particular uh, $40 million, uh, intent to fund request, this is to complete the Brentwood Middle um, renovations, is that correct? This is the remaining funding for the Brentwood renovations, that is correct. From a timing perspective, we're on the early stages of construction. We've got about a three-year window, but we need this to be able to award the bid for the, for the main project. We had a $30 million funding from the County Commission, and this is the second of the two. Okay, thank you. And I guess real quick, this this particular second phase of the project or, or continuation of the project would begin when if this is approved? Well, this is the second funding phase, but not the second phase of the project. Uh, Mr. Samuels, if you would, can you give a, a short description of the timeline for the project? Yes, sir, thank you. Uh, the, the first phase of the project is about 18 months or so in length, and then we would shift uh, into that building and start the second phase, um, which would then take another 12 to 13 months and then finish up. And, and I guess I would ask, if, if the county commission does not approve this additional funding, what does that leave us with? It leaves us with less than half the money to finish the project. Uh, so from a process standpoint, our hope and expectation is that when they gave that first amount of funding, uh, they, they recognized this. Um, a big issue for the County Commission, in my experience, is the timing of, of, uh, of these funding decisions so that they go to market. Uh, and, and that's why we didn't ask for $70 million all at once. Exactly right. Much. Well, and our, our projections were lower, so it, will, it is more than we originally projected. Thank you. 
I don't see any other questions on the floor. Board members, please cast your votes. Ms. Apriya? Yes. Ms. Apriya votes yes. Looks like our voting um, machines are a little bit slow tonight. Your vote is 10 yes, zero no. Thank you, board members. Next item is approval of the resolution for the 2022-23 capital request intent to fund. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. This is the funding request for the capital budget that you approved a couple of months ago that's going before the commission as part of our annual budgeting request. It's a little over $12.5 million. They will be voting on this uh, budget uh, on June 27th, this intent to fund will bring the request to them to actually fund it uh, at their next meeting from a timing perspective. So this is a little bit ahead in that you all are approving our request to fund before they actually approve the budget. Um, but from a timing perspective to get the projects done, uh, the wise thing to do is to make this request. Uh, if they approve our budget in full, then we'll move forward with these projects. If they don't, or if they make some modification to the capital budget, we may need to bring this back to you. Recommend approval. Do we have a motion to approve? Mr. Cash makes the motion to approve. Do we have a second? Mr. Hall makes a second. Board members, discussion? Mr. Galbraith. Thank you, Madam Chair. So Jason, in, in the event that they, that they reduce this by some amount, um, is there, until you get our, until you get our approval, then you don't have the ability to go spend any of this money, correct? That's correct. We would take it to you all um, for a prioritization. So could, I guess if that, if that happens, could we, could we add that to the special meeting in July, just because that they, some of these things might be timing related and may, might need, need to be sending out POs before our August, mid-August meeting? My short answer is yes. Just a quick glance at Dana to double check. She's not in your head. Yes, we could. I'm not inviting any changes in the, in, I'm just trying to think ahead. Yeah, that's a, that's a good thought. Mr. Brown. Yeah, to, to build on that, Jason, it, following the hypothetical that if they were to cut something, if you have you given thought to what you would come back and prioritize with less money? We have some thoughts. Uh, we don't know the numbers. And I have mentioned to you at some of the public meetings, it has been stated publicly uh, that they that some of the commissioners are thinking about it. Um, we haven't talked specific numbers, and I'm not in the business of negotiating with them because of your vote. Um, but we we would, as a team, as a leadership team, go back to the drawing board and and recompare where we are with our with our request. Uh, and also look at our operational funds and what might be projected over the course of the next year uh, and, then, and then bring it to you based upon that team decision. Board members, there are no further requests to speak. Please cast your votes. Ms. Apriya? Yes. Your vote, please. Yes. Oh, great. Thank you. Ms. Apriya votes yes.
Your vote is 10 yes, zero no. Thank you, board members. The next item is the approval of the, co the new code of conduct policy. This is the second reading, Mr. Golden. Thank you, thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, there was actually a comment, a public comment, and I want to uh, thank uh, our member of the public for speaking to that regarding our code of conduct policy. And I know a couple of you board members asked that it be taken off the agenda so we can speak to it uh, as a whole. This code of conduct sets a baseline level system for, for uh, violations of school rules or misbehaviors as described. Uh, and we do recommend approval from the board on this for second reading. Do we have a motion to approve? Mr. Welch makes the motion. Is there a second? Mr. Haw? Board members, discussion? Mr. Welch, do you want to discuss as well? Okay, sure. There you go. Thank you. So um, Saturday, uh, downtown Franklin, we had a, a wonderful uh, Juneteenth festival uh, on the, the Franklin Square. Um, just a really wonderful event. It, it celebrated individual freedom, which was something that um, we can all celebrate. Uh, it's a great multicultural event. I think the, the mood there was definitely vibrant and happy and seeing a lot of people um, new down there. Uh, just a, a all around great day. And then we had some individuals who showed up and tried to disrupt it and they failed in their attempt to disrupt it, um, who attempted to hide their identity and in attempting to hide their identity, I think they revealed their characters and their hearts uh, for, for uh, what they held. And I, I, I mentioned that because I think what we are doing here uh, with the, the Code of Conduct, which came out of our DEI <laughs> program, uh, universally passed by the board, um, I think is the exact opposite of, of what we saw of those events. Uh, what we're doing with that is, is a further recognition that uh, the board as a whole and, and us and as individuals in a 12-0 vote all universally said that we see each and every one of our students, each and one of our children as individually being of value of uh, deserving love and care and attention and equal treatment before the board. And in having this code of conduct that is consistent uh, across schools, we we are, we are saying that we want um, how we evaluate uh, and how we uh, put out disciplinary action when it becomes necessary that it's consistent across that. And when we're not looking for any sort of uh, outside additional um, evaluations or influence. Uh, I know there's been some false accusations, you know, that this is sort of a race-based thing, uh, which is unfortunate because the exact opposite is true. This is sort of saying we are we are not going to do that. We are not going to uh, uh, discriminate by, you know, age, gender, ethnicity, any of that information. So I'm looking forward to kind of putting this. I think this is a great new policy. I know we've done a lot of work on this, getting in the place. Staff has as well. And I think it's uh, not an end step, but, you know, one of many first steps that we're moving forward is just to make Williams County Schools a better place for all of our students. Mr. Wimberly. A couple of things. First of all, um, I'm real proud of the work that the policy committee did on, on this code of conduct that our staff did, that um, community organizations did, some of whom 
are here tonight uh, that our consultant did, that our board has done on this. It just, it, it makes me proud. And one of the key things that I think we've done with this is established clarity for what we will do within the school system when certain misbehaviors occur. Um, this establishes different levels of misbehavior and then the basic process for what will happen when, when it's deemed that um, someone has crossed into these different levels of misbehavior. And it, it reminds me of the good and unprecedented work that Mike Fletcher and others did with the uh, threat assessments, where we laid out very clear um, processes, exactly whom would be notified, what will happen, when different threats um, are made from the very minor to the, to, to the, um, to the most significant. Um, and I think this code of conduct, um, you know, gives us a, a systematic way to uh, create consistency, uh, which I think is, is key. That's one of the comments that we heard quite regularly from the public and even our staff members that uh, the um, uh, various enforcements of misbehaviors could um, differ significantly from one school to the other. And hopefully this will help change that. And I think it's rather fitting that this comes up for a vote today on, on the observance of June 10th. And I've tried so many times to say it, and I just am having a hard time with it. So <laughs> you know what I mean. So um, thank you for this, and thank you for all of you who have helped bring this to a vote on Juneteenth observance. Mr. Galbraith. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, so Eric, uh, Eric brought up something um, around the the vote that that led to this, and there's been some some information out there. I'm not. I'm actually not. Uh, I'm not disagreeing with Eric at all. I think I just wanted to clarify, but what we what we voted on that got us to to this point it wasn't a wasn't a vote for DEI necessarily. Um, it was a vote to because at the at the time we had hundreds of individual accounts of um, different types of incidences that had happened um, on school. I guess majority of them were. Well, they're all students and they're all um, on school grounds or have to do with school. Um, and so we, we had the, we had the, the, really the duty to, um, to investigate those things. And that's what we were voting on. And what we, what we got out of that was a series of recommendations from our consultant. Um, and to my knowledge, we have not affirmed those in any way, um, but we, but I know, Jason. That's part of part of your goals was to see how do we how do we bring these things to the board to to take action on some of these things as uh, as we see fit. And so I think this is definitely an appropriate um, first step. I believe that we're that we're taking off after that um, after receiving that report. Um, I look for. I'm, I'm sure we'll be talking more about it this fall with the with the strategic planning planning, um, but. I just want to reiterate something that um, that one of the um, one of the speakers last month said that really resonated with me, um, and 
and I've got some history here with uh, with my kids and understanding um, as much as I can um, how how students are um, particularly students of color are treated differently sometimes um, I I'm I still don't know and I've had some great conversations with um, with some people um, about this and uh, we last last night or last month's meeting uh, kind of started some of those discussions and I've really appreciated those and learning other perspectives and seeing how people, um, how are based on our backgrounds and, um, and our worldviews and just our experiences, how we, we see things differently. Um, and I, I guess I personally don't feel that there's, that there's anything systemic that we do to, um, to on purpose to make these kids um, feel any less than the individuals and, and 100% unique and, and, and feel safe to express who they are. Um, but one, well, what, what the speaker said last time was um, in, our, in our policy as far as discipline, um, one thing, the things that we can do um, tangibly are provide consistent, predictable, and repeatable consequences to people who, um, to who, who violate this, this policy. Um, and, and I think if we, if we do this, it's a first step. I mean, just making sure that that people see, I mean, it's, it's so hard because, um, too often in education because of privacy rights, um, a lot of times something will happen and it's not, it's not terribly clear because we can't, we can't just broadcast that somebody was, um, was punished in a, in any way, um, because of, from a privacy perspective, right? Um, and so it, students, um, parents, teachers, everyone has to know that, that, those, um, that those punishments, that that discipline is being taken care of, um, regardless of the, the fact that they can't see it and, and actually know that it happened. And so um, the more, more, we can, more we can make this consistent so that people can see that, that it's, it, it truly is deterrent. And I've, Look forward. I mean, I look forward to time when the number of incidents continues to um, to drop as a as as a part of that. So, thank you so much, Mr. Cash. Um, let me go ahead. Yeah. Let us look into the technical. Issues here. Yeah, hello. There it is. Much better, much better. It seems like it happens every time. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I just feel this policy is a, is a real start um, to get down to the bottom of the bullying issues in our schools, and it's at all levels, uh, elementary, middle, and high school. Um, I just... I feel like we discussed this at length in policy, and uh, it was explained very well by Dr. Webb and others. I think this will help our principals and APs um, uh, be a guide to, you know, the different levels of, of what bullying is about, uh, and it's got levels, four different levels, I believe, and it'll help the uh, principals and APs um, just better be able to better treat each and in, in individual case and uh, get some uh, better results. Thank you. 
Madam Chair, if I may re respond to the comments from uh, the board members who spoke. I've had a number of conversations with students that led up to some of this work. And one theme I heard from them was that there were often incidents, reports that just simply weren't reported by the students because there was often a belief that nothing was going to be done about it. So I am actually encouraged by the increased number of reports because it indicates to me that they're getting more comfortable and they're, they're at least at this stage, trusting that we're going to do something about it. Uh, Fostering Healthy Solutions recommended a number of, of, uh, of, of items. You received a couple of months ago uh, our draft standardized student handbook. And that is, that is accompanying this so that we can start triangulating and building those levels so that we do have that consistency. So thank you for that work. We've got a lot of work to do. And ultimately, it's, it's the people. Uh, it's, the, it's the students, it's the teachers, uh, the staff, and the administrators in the building who are going to continue to work through this um, with, with the support we give them. So thank you, all board members, for your support. I have one question before we vote. Um, so I, I was out um, at the Juneteenth Festival this weekend as well, and um, you know, was sharing with, with several groups of students that I talked to about this new policy. And there seems to be a lot of interest from students about this and, and learning about this policy. So how will this be communicated to students? I may defer to uh, um, Dr. Webb uh, after I speak to this. Our principals have very beginning of the school year conversations with their students about their, about their standards. This is going to be one of those items in conjunction with their discussion of the handbooks. Dr. Webb? Okay. Okay. There are no further questions. Board members, please cast your votes. Ms. Apriya, how do you vote? Yes. Ms. Apriya votes yes. Your vote is 10 yes, zero no. Thank you. The next item is approval of early release dates for the 2022-2023 school year. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. We introduced this, uh, um, this, this item to you at the April meeting. We've had a lot of discussion in May, and now we're presenting this to you. Uh, I'm, I don't want to go back and rehash the detail of, of, uh, of our discussion at the work session. Um, and uh, once a motion gets on the floor, it, it, is a motion on the floor yet? Okay. Well, uh, you have the uh, you have the memo in your uh, in your board packet, so I'll leave it at that. Okay. So let's just let's just get centered here. Um, this this is the approval of early release dates for the 2022-23 school year. Mr. Welch. Yes, ma'am. Um, I'd like to make a motion that we switch late start days to early release days, that we would increase the elementary school day by seven minutes, reduce the current 27 days to 11, increasing the time for each from 45 minutes to 112 minutes to use those seven minutes. And then the early release days would be Wednesdays. No early childhood students are at school, uh, fewer extracurricular activities on Wednesdays. Essentially, 
uh, making the motion that Mr. Golden uh, recommended to us during our, our uh, April uh, agenda as his preferred plan for early release. And then I can reference those uh, early release dates if need to, but the essentially um, reading off the ones that were in the memo that Mr. Gold and his staff suggested to us as their preferred option. Is there a second? Mr. Haw? Discussion? Mr. Brown? Order. Um, is there a reason why when the when Jason explained the recommendation that there wasn't a call for a motion on his recommendation? Like there is on every other agenda item. So the first person who made the motion, instead of a motion to approve, stated a motion. That's, that is perfectly fine under Robert's Rules of Order. I understand that it is, but is there a reason procedurally why on this particular item, the chair didn't ask for a motion as she does on every other agenda item? Not that I'm aware of. I, I, I can answer that, Mr. Brown. I think I'm trying to go by the guidance that we received about this motion and, and how we talked, you know, we talked about it uh, um, on Thursday night and then we received a memo from our attorney about it. If I recall, and I could be wrong, but what I recall the discussion being is that this motion would be brought, to the, brought up as is and then there would be potentially a, an amendment to that motion offered once the motion was on the floor. That was one of the many options that was discussed on Thursday. Okay. It just seems to me that we've we've gone out of our normal procedure in not moving something as it is on the agenda as a starting point. But I but it, procedurally we're we're beyond that at this point. I just wanted to flag well, that. I'm 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 trying to follow the guidance that I receive from our legal counsel who is our representative about Robert's Rules of Order. So I'm happy to make changes if if you think that I need to make changes. We are within Robert's Rules of Order. May, may I just follow up? The email today from Dana says, the chair will ask for, second paragraph, the chair will ask for a motion on item 7B. That's the agenda item. But I, don't, I didn't hear the chair ask for a motion on item 7B. believe she said is there a motion is that not correct on, but not on this particular item 7b by definition is what's in the memo from jason what she asked for was a motion for approval of early release dates for the 2022-2023 school year as defined by that the, is not what she asked for and that's not the motion that mr welch has on the floor so where does that leave us it leaves us right now with a proper motion and a second and discussion. And obviously any board member has a right to amend a motion, but we have a proper motion and second on the floor. I, I just want to state for the record that the, the guidance we got from you, Dana, was that the chair will ask for a motion on item 7B. Item 7B is defined as the memo we received in our packet. We discussed this at the work session on Thursday night. And it was, I'll try to make it clear that what we're going to be brought, what's going to be brought forward to us is going to be Jason's proposal as presented on Thursday and as, as presented in our packet. And that was going to be the baseline motion that we were going to be having to discuss. And then an amendment could be brought to that motion, to that proposal, if we, if, if someone so chose. 
And Eric, Eric said Thursday night he was going to do that. He's done it. But it seems like we've gotten this out of sequence. So my guidance is the chair will ask for a motion on item 7B. A board member makes a motion. The chair will ask for a second to the motion. Board member seconds the motion. Once the motion is on the floor, then the chair will ask for the recommendation of the superintendent. So right. that's... I, we're just differing on what the what the substance of 7b mm -hmm. is that's correct you're saying 7b is open-ended i'm saying 7b is what we were what was presented to us in the packet and if that had in fact had been the motion then i would agree with you but mr welch was very clear as to what his motion was madam, madam chair if i may as 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 your leader it's important to me that you all know what you're voting on uh, we had a detailed discussion on Thursday. So I do ask that you vote based on what you think is, is appropriate given that discussion, uh, regardless of what's on the floor. So just for clarity's purposes, as I understand it, the motion that was presented was the, the essence of what we brought to you all as a draft proposal, as a proposal back in April uh, letting you know it was going to come in May. And subsequent to that, I made a modification that I spoke to at the work session. So after discussion, um, if Miss Garrett, if you if you will, just as a as a quick reminder, ask me for my recommendation. Uh, it is possible I may recommend multiple things if things don't pass. Um, but but uh, but for 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 substance purposes, it's important to me that you all know what you're voting on. May I make a statement uh, to clarify my position? So as the chair, I, I do not have a vested interest in anything that has been presented so far. I'm trying to run the meeting according to the guidance that I'm given. So I just want to make sure we're all clear on that. Thank you. All right, we have some people who want to speak. Mr. Cash. Uh, do you need to use Elliot's again? Yeah, got it. Okay, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, can, I, can we get an idea of what differs from what uh, Mr. Welch brought forward uh, that we were given, um, what, two months ago, three months ago, versus what the proposal was for uh, at our work session? Madam Chair, may I? If it looks like Mr. McNeese is mouthing to me that he can show, can you show that, I think he can put it up on the screen. And I'm not sure which one that is, which memo that is, Mr. McNeese. That's Look, the, that's. Five, so if, if I may speak to this, the, the original proposal we brought to you in May at the work session included a, a, an early release for all grade levels, elementary, middle, and high on Wednesday afternoons with a schedule. The, the recommendation I brought to you at the June work session modified that and returned the high school and middle school schedule to in essence the same schedule that they've had for the last few years. Monday mornings, 27 days, about, if I'm not mistaken, 45 minutes. 
and included a recommendation to add elementary for those 11 days. That's, that's the difference. Uh, middle school and high on Wednesdays on the, along the same basic schedule as elementary versus leaving the middle and high alone. Okay, this, but this doesn't, what we brought forward the other night uh, has two bus routes for the elementary school, correct? That's correct. Um, that was one change that uh, I, I felt needed to be done. But I, I, guess, I guess if Mr. Welch could read his proposal one more time. Um, I thought we were going to leave high school alone and um, go with this, you know, what you proposed the other night, which I thought was a good. So if you could read that again, so we can have a full understanding of what we're voting on here. Is it, is it okay for him to read it? Yes. Uh-huh. Mr. Welch. Am I on? Yes. And um, again, I think it was also that Mr. McNeese had posted it up there, so I can, I'm happy to read it again but uh, we can put it up on the screens. Um, essentially, I'm reading off of the memo that Mr. Golden provided to us as his original proposal, as what he preferred as the option, as, as what he and his staff and the principals and the teachers had recommended to us as the best optimum solution for providing more professional development, professional learning communities among our staff. And so as part of that, it would be switch late start days to early release days, increase the elementary school day by seven minutes to every regular day, reduce the current 27 days to 11, increasing the time for each from 45 minutes to 112 minutes to use those seven additional minutes that we are getting. And then those early release days are to be Wednesdays. Mr. Galbraith. Thank you, Madam Chair. I, I second what Mr. Brown said about this being a, I, I just want to want, want us all to understand the precedent that we're making, and that is the agenda items that are brought and the memos that are brought. Um, presumably, Ms. Farmer brings us a, um, a financial um, proposal to, to read um, if somebody going forward, if somebody wants to bring up on that item and they want to change the numbers um, or then that doesn't require an amendment, then you can just I can just amend and I can I can make a motion to to do whatever I want to. I can I can I can change the amount of a capital request. Um, I can I can make a lot of changes if we don't stick to the report that's on the um, stick to the agenda report, and that's the uh, initial motion that could obviously. It, so I, I'm agreeing that, is, that it reflects Robert's rules of order. Mm -hmm. I just don't agree that it reflects our board norms um, about how we how we do business. Well, Mr. Galbraith, unfortunately, um, several months ago, this precedent already occurred, and that would have been when the board voted not to follow the legal advice of our outside attorney, and at that point, that precedent started 
Well, I, I guess I would I would disagree. Our our, our outside attorney gives us um, gives us an assessment of risk and, and lets us make our own decisions. But um, but that be that as it may, um, this this is this is not something that I'm I'm comfortable with. Um, and I know I can't make a motion after I've after I've talked. So I'll go get back in line. Ms. Apriya. Um, I'd like to make a motion to amend Eric's motion. Is that appropriate at this time? Okay. Yes. Um, I'd like to amend it so that the two of the 112 minutes that would now go to the secondary teachers happens as a late start Monday, 11 times a year, the same weeks as the early release Wednesdays that are scheduled for the elementary students so that the, those teachers can get the same block of time, but, um, but it doesn't take away the late start Monday for the, for the students. So would, would you state that again, please, to make sure that we've got it correctly? So basically it would be um, early release Wednesday for elementary students as stated, and then the secondary time block would be instead of 27 late start Mondays as we currently have, it would be 11 late start Mondays on the same weeks as the elementary 11 early release Wednesdays. And, and the same time? So it would still be seven extra minutes added to add to make 112 minutes, except instead of it being as Eric is proposing in alignment with the early release Wednesday for elementary, it would be a late start Monday. It would just be fewer, less frequent, 11 times a year instead of 27 so that they could have that longer stretch of planning time, 112 minutes. Is there a second? Please raise your hand if you have a second because Ms. Ms. Durham seconds. Okay, and I have speakers on the floor. For the amendment. We're only speaking as the amendment. And we're currently only speaking to the amendment. So if you um, have a request on the floor and you want to speak to the amendment, please raise your hand. Uh, Mr. Wimberly, you're first. Basically what we have here is two plans. One eliminates the uh, late start Mondays and moves that to an early release for middle and high school. And the other keeps the middle high school status quo. So here's my question to you, Mr. Dolan. You have proposed this to us two ways. So help me understand I don't know if preference is the right word, but what are the advantages and disadvantages of the two approaches? You're asking about the two approaches that are on the floor. Well, let's say I'm officially asking about the one that we're currently speaking on. Okay, but thank you. So the the the, uh, the motion to amend for Ms. Apria, uh, the, the advantage would be the teachers who are participating would have a longer 
planning period um, at one time. I will tell you that we spoke to that question at the work session and the question about moving, about having late start Mondays on the 11 day schedule at 112 minutes. And when asked about that, my response was that recommendation is not there from the secondary staff because of their experience with the number of students who arrive in the mornings on the buses. So that's the, the advantage is you have more time. The disadvantage is our secondary principal's experiences has led them to conclude that doing a, uh, doing a morning start based on that schedule that we had originally proposed for the afternoon will be very difficult to work because of the supervision that it will require, especially at the middle school level. So that's, that's the one on the floor. Uh, Mr. Welch's motion was what we originally proposed. As I mentioned to you all at the work session, it became apparent to me from individual conversations and mainly from the public discussion that we didn't have enough votes for it to pass. And so I modified my request in the, in the most recent memo. May I follow up? Okay, I'm gonna ask it a little bit differently. Which one do you like the best? Of these two on the floor, I like Mr. Welch's motion better than Ms. Apria's because I don't know that our administrators can handle those Monday mornings, those 11 days. Thank you. Who else um, wants to speak to the amendment? Anyone else that was in line? Let's see. Uh, Ms. Apria's first, then you, Ms. Durham. Please go ahead, Ms. Apriya. Am I am I unmuted? Okay. Yes. <laughs> About because um, Rick had mentioned when he asked the question, he stated it as though the the er, the late starts were going to happen twenty seven times a year or again. Um, but just to clarify for you, Rick, that I, I'm intending them to happen just the eleven times so that they can be longer or more consolidated, um, the same weeks as the early release for Wednesdays for elementary. Um, but I'd also, to Jason's point, I, I feel like there's a, there's a benefit to doing the late start Monday at a two hour block because you can run those buses a second time. And I think you're going to get the same number of, of kids needing childcare as you would on a Wednesday afternoon. If you're able to run those buses a second time, this is also going to alleviate a lot of the traffic issues that we have currently for late start Mondays. Um, I know in Nolansville, in our district, there's Mill Creek and Sunset all have elementary and middle of the same campus. And so when we do those late start Mondays, elementary and um, middle end up starting right at the same time. But if we were doing it as a two hour block, that would allow enough time for that bus to make a second route to, to get those kids and let them actually sleep in. And it's going to alleviate the traffic congestion that happens when they're happening at the same time. So I, I feel like this is one of those things that if we think through it, we can have a little bit of a win-win for everybody because people can now sleep in more. Um, the teachers can still get that two-hour block instead of the 45-minute rush block. And um, and it's going to alleviate some of that traffic. So just wanted to 
put that there. Thank you for that. Madam Chair, may I respond to that? Yes. Please. And I'm going to respond with a, with a reference to Dr. Webb to ask her to speak to that because that was part of what we studied. Thank you, Mr. Golden. Our, our recommendation um, from secondary after take-in, you know, we started the process, I want to back up a little bit. We started the process of evaluating early release and late start last fall. October, we pulled teachers together, teacher leaders, administrators, assistant principals. Uh, we had a board representative just evaluating our current practice um, and how we could best utilize uh, the collaborative time for teachers. Where we rested with our recommendation, which is the initial recommendation that Mr. Golden brought to the board, was to have the collective early release for the longer periods of time. Uh, we found it to be not only the most conducive for elementary, middle, and high to have the afternoon early release, but having them at the same time uh, allowed us to run the buses um, and run them consistently on those early release times um, and to ensure that we also have some childcare uh, options for the elementary students as well. Uh, not only having options on each individual school campus, but also having the older students at the secondary level at home to help with, with childcare. We felt like that was the best uh, collaborative measure uh, that would not only benefit our teachers, which ultimately benefits the instruction that's taken place and, and impacts student achievement and uh, the way that our students are learning every day, but we felt like that that was uh, the strongest recommendation to support our families as they navigate one change in their family schedule, those that have elementary, middle, and high school students collectively, regardless of which grade bands, it gives them 11 singular disruptions to their day to plan for and to uh, adjust to. Uh, though we have some schools that have very few students who currently uh, come in on late start days when the buses run on their normal routes, we do have several campuses, many campuses across our, our middle and high schools that have well over half of their student population that's on campus on those late start days. Our range at the uh, middle school is 20 to 80%. We have some middle schools who have 80% of their students who ride the bus on late start days. And the, um, excuse me, 15 to 85%. And high schools have 20 to 80% of their students who ride the buses and come at normal time on late start days. By extending those late start days, uh, the time uh, to two hours in the morning or closer to two hours, 112 minutes on the, in the morning, uh, we know that the, that, consistency of having large numbers of students on campus to supervise for longer periods of time is, is a likelihood. We discussed um, um, a longer time and late start Mondays versus an early release on those same 11 days. And ultimately the strong, very strong recommendation from our committee of, of educators at the elementary, middle and high school uh, level was the early release, uh, which ultimately was our recommendation that came to the board in May. We understood, as Mr. Golden has shared, the concerns of, of the board and, and some concerns about the impact on families, which ultimately led to Mr. Golden's uh, uh, change that we brought uh, to the board tonight. But the recommendation of the committee, which many of us in the room were uh, part of that work, uh, was the early release, which is the reference to uh, uh, Mr. Welch that he brought to the amendment. So, Ms. Apriya, to answer your question specifically about the buses in the mornings, there is a possibility for that, but the, the advice I've received related to that is, given many parent schedules, 
there will still be a heavy emphasis on that first route pickup uh, in, in the morning for those who are going to school. I feel like that's one of those those judgment calls because these are the Ms. older kids. So it's Ms. likely Supriya. that even if the parents work schedule would have normally required them to to do the earlier bus when that was Ms. the only one offered. They are the kids that can get themselves onto a later bus if needed. And I bet you you'd have a lot of them sleeping in. But I mean, there's no way Ms. to Supriya. know unless we try it. Um, yeah, Miss Apriya, I've got some other questions on the floor. Oh, sorry. I know that's hard to tell from okay. from where you are, Miss Durham. Um, totally agree with everything that Jen uh, mentioned, and I just think that the concerns or the cons um, of the late start versus early release are more operational, and I would just expect that those be worked through. If the board does agree to this, we can figure these things out. I think if it's in the best interest of the student to have the later start, we need to do what's in the best interest of the student. Jen proposed a reasonable accommodation or exception, whatever we call it, amendment, which is the 11 versus the 27. It's 11 days out of the year. If we can get enough notice out, parents can figure out what to do with the kids. We can figure out what to do to pull the kids into one room or something for that late start and not... Um, be a deterrent to an effective solution to getting this longer block of time available to the to the teachers. Um, so I would just put it back on the staff to come up with an operational solution to something that could be positive and beneficial and a win-win. Ms. Did you want to respond? It, if I may, if if you place this, if you if you pass this vote, we'll find ways to uh, to make that work to the optimum. Mr. Hall, your your request to speak is related to the amendment, correct? Okay. You're on. Thank you, Chair. And I do appreciate the concern about late start. That's my only misgiving about the, the first proposal that we've received is that, that we would be losing an opportunity for kids who need the sleep to get some sleep on Mondays. But I'm an, I don't think that this is a solution to that. I think that we need to look at that in the strategic plan and come up with something that works for every day of the week, every week of the year for students. And and this only allows for 11 instances of it. And it sounds like, given the fact that it's not just the late start we currently enjoy, it's an expanded late start, that a lot of kids would be on that first route, particularly in middle school. And this would have no impact, no positive impact on a late start. It would not essentially be a late start for them, or at least they wouldn't be able to sleep late. They would just start school late and spend two hours in the school environment. And perhaps more of them would be doing that than are doing it now based on, on the feedback you've provided, Mr. Golden. So that is my primary concern with this. And that's my only misgiving about this too, is, is not being able to provide kids with those 27 late start days that are able to take advantage of it and are able to get a little more sleep after the weekend. But uh, I, I will not be in favor of the amendment. Anyone else want to speak to the amendment? Mr. Mitchell and then Mr. Welch. Thank you, Madam Chair. So, yeah, we're, we're, we've got a couple of problems we're trying to solve, and it's, it's one of my, what, 
it's one of my, it goes back to my point that we may not be able to satisfy everybody here. I would offer uh, an idea that we pilot uh, Ms. Apria's approach, um, maybe for August and September and revisit this in our September meeting to see how, whether it go, how it goes. I'm, I'm sympathetic to the uh, need for sleep. Uh, I'm also sympathetic for the need for the PLCs to, to have time to dig into it and actually get, get moving without having to be interrupted uh, after 45 minutes. Um, but but I, I also worry about if we're seeing some schools, some campuses with 80% participation on the first bus, and you're going to have to, and maybe I'd like to get some context from, from Dr. Webb if I could on how do we manage those children today for the 45 minutes? My guess is they're probably all put into a gym and told to sit on bleachers and, and, and uh, you know, figure out a way, hopefully not to, not to run around and, and uh, be destructive or, or be disruptive. But uh, if I could, Madam Chair, could I get Dr. Webb to give some context on Please. what what managing that 80% of the children for an hour for 12, what 112 minutes would look like? Thank you for the question, Mr. Elliott. And, and that certainly is um, part was part of our conversation as, as a committee bringing the recommendation to the floor of the board for vote. Uh, currently, the way we uh, supervise those students is that they gather in large areas such as the gymnasium, the library, common spaces, and uh, we supervise them with a rotation of teaching staff. So in our middle school buildings, as an example, uh, where a larger percentage of our students are riding the bus on the first route and coming in, that means that not every teacher gets to collaborate on those Mondays. Uh, they have to rotate or there's a need for them to rotate. Uh, and on various uh, late start days, they rotate and they uh, take turns helping supervise the students in those locations. Otherwise, there uh, aren't enough administrators in many of the buildings uh, and support staff to supervise the students properly. And so we do, we rotate teachers from their collaborative sessions to come in, which ultimately is why we rested on the early release and the bus transportation that's consistent so that we can have those consistent 11 days where teachers are not pulled to supervise uh, students uh, to this large capacity. And we have the ability to engage as many educators, if not every educator would be are certainly our target, but to engage every educator in the, that collaborative process to engage in the work of, of writing common assessments and looking at student data, determining what is the, the best way to teach a certain standard and unpack that standard to the depth and complexity that it deserves so that everyone on that team uh, can best understand how to teach it when they go back into the classroom for the next few weeks. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's intensive work, it certainly is, uh, there's a benefit to having longer durations of time, but there's also a balance of um, the administrative aspect of supervising the students while that collaboration takes place. And so you look across the nation, you look across our benchmarking districts, uh, there are a variety of ways 
that school districts accommodate that collaborative time. Some do early release, some do late start. There's a variety of uh, durations of time and it all tends to reflect the needs of their community of which they choose. Um, so ultimately, that's, that's the will of the board. Uh, and again, our recommendation uh, was to, uh, to go with the early releases for all those purposes. Madam Chair, if I, if I may do a follow-up with Dr. Webb here. Um, can, you, can you explain the difference between the challenge of early morning supervision versus early afternoon supervision? I, I'm not quite, I, I, don't, I, I don't appreciate the context of why the early release doesn't have the same problem with the 80% the children staying back uh, that uh, that the morning does. I, I appreciate. I think the, I lost my articulation there at the end of that. But. I knew exactly what you meant, Mr. Mitchell. So thank you for, for asking the question. That the there are two variables that come into play. One is is there is there bus transportation offered that a vast majority of the students will participate in. At the secondary level, if we have an early release, our expectation would be that students. Um, are released early and leave on that bus transportation that's provided, thus leaving a very small number of students on campus. As Mr. Welch mentioned in his proposal, which was part of our initial proposal, we would minimize the number of extracurricular activities that take place on those Wednesdays. The number of students held back that would require supervision would be minimal. On an early, um, on a late start day, uh, the buses run normal time, so all those students are coming onto campus, and so it requires supervision. If we didn't have bus transportation in either location, so if, if, the, if we didn't have bus transportation for early release and we didn't have uh, bus transportation that came late on a late start, our preference would be to supervise students in the morning. They're less, uh, you know, there's much less energy happening with uh, secondary school students at eight o'clock in the morning than there is at 2.30 in the afternoon. I can promise you that as far as activity and um, uh, energy that students are ready to get out, right? But if bus transportation is matching or mirroring the collaborative time that teachers have together and the students aren't on campus um, and the students are uh, off campus in the afternoon, then that's, that's certainly our preference. Excuse me just a minute. Um, audience members, please don't approach um, the board during during the meeting. Thank you very much. And, and Ms., Mr. Mitchell, if I may, and Madam Chair, to, to complete the answer. If, as proposed by Ms. Apria, we run two routes in the morning, uh, uh, the, the normal schedule for secondary, then run the elementary, and then run a second bus route for secondary. In other words, flipping the afternoon proposal to, to secondary. I think that's the core of, 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 of the question. We haven't had a detailed discussion about that. Because we been, don't do that today. That is correct. We don't do that today. But the corollary of that, we did talk about in the afternoons for elementary based on the recommendation I brought to you all at the work session. Could we do that? As I'm looking at Mark Samuels, there is a possibility of us doing that. The tight logistics of it with, with traffic we haven't, we haven't studied. Might some smaller number of students come in that, first, in that first route and then the second? That's a possibility. 
Um, and and so that's the question that's that was ultimately being asked, Dr. Webb. What if mm -hmm. there were two routes in the mornings as in essence, a compromise, knowing that we, we couldn't recommend the elementary schools start in the morning. And, and, and we're, we're under the assumption that, that there would be the, in some campuses, there would be a large number of students showing up at the regular time, meaning they've got to be, they've got to be uh, um, managed. And also, that assumption is that that same large number of students would leave with the first bus route in the afternoon. And, and so if I've got 80% in the morning that I've got, to, I've got to take care of, and I would have 80% in the afternoon that would go home early, is kind of the assumptions that we're working on here. That's right. Is that right? Because right. if you had a 20, if you had that same... 80% staying in the afternoon, you would kind of have a challenge there too. I want to note that in our proposal uh, that there wasn't a second route for secondary. On the early release, the second route was for elementary specifically. So yes, to answer that question, our anticipation would be more than 80% would be gone in the afternoon and only a small number of students who had an, uh, an after school activity that couldn't be moved to another day of the week that would remain on campus for supervision versus uh, the other. That is correct. And Mr. Priya's motion is, well, what about it? What about doing two in the morning? Yeah. Might it make some difference? It's possible. A lot of our experiences include parents making sure that their children, you know, get out in the morning, uh, at least at least for the bus. They, they're either driving them or they're riding the bus. I can't speak, we can't speak to what might happen with that second route. And then your answer to that, if I'm not mistaken, I'm using my vernacular to make sure that we have some clarity is, well, what if we took a shot at that for the first three of those days? Yeah, I'd kind of I'd kind of like somewhat of a uh, of a I'd like to present to my colleagues that whatever we do here with this, since we're changing it up, that we maybe consider reviewing it again in September. Let's run it for two or three iterations and come back with what and then because we're making we're coming into this with some assumptions today i think everybody is am i am i fair to say that that that, that we're kind of what, what we believe will happen and and if we pilot it for a couple of months then we can kind of maybe come back with some true data to see what what our numbers were albeit that that then creates some thrashing of schedules and and uh, replanning as well. So. so procedurally, since we have a motion, an amendment I, I'm not before, making a motion. I know, I'm, I'm, just I'm just making sure everybody's on the same page. We can't amend it, but to your point, that could be something that the executive committee could put it back on the agenda to review regardless of if it's a vote. Right, because the motions and the amendments as they stand are for the entire school year. Yes, sir. Anyone else want to comment on the, oh, Mr. Welch. And Mr. Um, is your button not working? Is Yeah, go ahead and raise your hand. Thank you. Yeah. Hold on. You are now. Thank you. Um, and so we're speaking only to Ms. Priya's amendment uh, right now, correct? Yes. Thank you. 
Um, so to, to, I think to simplify this and sort of boil it down, we had two recommendations from our superintendent. We had the, the May recommendation, uh, which was by original motion, which again is the preferred option uh, from our superintendent that he would prefer. We have a June recommendation that came out at last week at our work session, which was a compromise based on Mr. Golden feeling that the the board did not have the political will to uh, pass what he was asking for. My characterization here, not not Mr. Golden's to be fair. And then I I'd thought Ms. Bria originally was recommending the, the June recommendation, but if I'm understanding and what we're kind of listening here, it's actually a third sort of hybrid of um, uh, Mr. Golden's original recommendation, but switching from a early release to a late start on those days instead. So I, I, I appreciate that Ms. Brina and I are on the same page, uh, acknowledging the uh, what staff has, has told us that there's just more collaboration time needed and all the different things that go along with that. But my concern here is that we have this hybrid approach that's being presented on the floor, it has not gone through any sort of vetting process. Uh, we've heard right now, Mr. Samuels, you know, how does that impact traffic and logistics and everything else? And whenever we do this, it seems like we always have the unintended consequences of our actions here. And this is a pretty big uh, change to sort of wing it and shoot from the hip here in, in how we're, we're going to do this. So um, with the, the point being as, as you know, trying to be a, a jack of all trades here and that we're trying to get the additional sleep, we're trying to get the time, kind of all these things. Uh, I, I would really say that those are two separate issues, both valid things that we need to look at and adjust, but rather than trying to hodgepodge them together and coming up with a plan that, again, have not been evaluated. Well, and it has, it has been evaluated by staff really and they did not recommend it. Um, but rather than trying to solve two issues less optimally. Let's solve the issue that we have on the floor today in the best manner that we can. And that other issue, let's talk about that and solve that in the best manner that we can, rather than trying to do both at the same time, each one uh, poorly. Ms. Durham. I'm actually okay. okay. Anyone else want to speak to the amendment? Mr. Mitchell. Yeah, so in, in over here, we're, I want to make one more clarification. We're still talking about two bus routes in the afternoon for elementary schools in the early release. That's my understanding, yes. Okay. And that, so, so that was the key, was that we're still running two routes for... So, so Ms. Apriya's amendment would be that middle and high school have 11 late start dates that, and the late start is at 112 minutes late. That's my understanding. On this, and the, the secondaries on the same Mondays as the weekly Wednesdays that, that are in the elementary draft schedule. And, and that the elementary schools would have early releases 11 days through the year on Wednesdays 
and we would run two routes for those elementary school That's early great. releases. And can we, and, and we're going, we're, but we're not 100% sure about the number of routes for middle and high school. It's, or, or are we thinking we're going to run two routes there too, there also? Or can we're still waiting to figure that out? My, my understanding was that that was a suggestion, but not part of the motion. And we don't know how that'll work in traffic, that's, I think, in the that, morning. That's, that's correct. Key, if I remember right. Dan, did I give a, did I clarify? Mr. Wimberly. I'd like to call the question on the amendment. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else who wants to speak? I want to speak. Well, I want to make a procedural statement. Okay. So we need to vote on calling the question. Is there a second? Mr. Welch, second. Any discussion? Voice vote? Okay. Mr. King has indicated we'll need to do a roll call vote, Ms. Glenn, so, because it's not loaded. Excuse us just a second. Okay. All right. So we're, we're voting on Rich's motion. Also. Mm -hmm. right. That's right. Unless there isn't anyone else that wants to speak, and then it's moved. Is there anyone else wanting to speak as to the amendment? Okay. Then I think we can move forward. Do we need to do a, a voice roll call vote on the amendment? No. It's low. Wait a minute, not on the amendment, but on the question. On the question. Procedurally, there's no one else wishing to speak as to the amendment. Oh. So we could vote on the amendment, and then there will obviously be time to speak on the original motion. Okay. And you want us to do a roll call vote? On, no, or we You don't vote. want us to do a roll call vote. Okay. So we're voting on, on Ms. Apria's amendment now. Uh, please cast your votes, board members. I do not recommend approval. Ms. Apria? Vote yes. Your vote is four yes, six no. Thank you, board. Now we're back to the original motion, correct? Uh, we, did, we did have some speakers in the queue uh, for that, so if you if you would please check back in, Mr. Galbraith, you're on. Am I live? Yes. Okay, thank you. Um, I guess I'm 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 not in favor of I'm I'm still I'm still struggling, and I I haven't had a chance to ask um, Dr. Webb as far as the, um, the supervision on uh, this, I guess this is what came up um, at the, I believe it was the work session when we were, when we were talking about this in, um, in May. But my concern about early release for secondary, particularly high schools, um, is the, 
is the number of students that are going to stay on campus for that period of for that period of time and so um, both in school and and out of the school um, and and so and I so I mean what do you what are your thoughts on that I know you I know you guys have thought about it you're on my thank you so our supervision model would flip so currently in the mornings um, when our students arrive on campus in addition to having our support staff, uh, teacher assistants that may not be working directly with students at that time supervising students. We do have that rotation of staff in some instances that have to rotate out of collaboration to help supervise. That model would be flipped to the afternoon. Our, uh, our objective would be to ensure that all teachers are uh, participating in the collaborative sessions that are taking place and the TAs uh, and support staff that are supporting supervision of students in the mornings would be flipped to supervise students in the afternoon. And our target would be, and our, um, our projection would be, if the buses are running and students are, a large number of students are exiting and only those with extracurricular activities that can't be shifted to another day of the week at the high school level, of course, there'll be a large number of those students that our support staff would assist us in supervising those students at that time. Thank you. I, yes, sir. I am... I guess I'm still, I'm still in favor of um, of the alternate recommendation that that took into account the the student and parental. Um, I guess their um, their desire to to keep those to keep the late start Mondays, and so I'll I'll vote no on this, and I would vote for an amendment if there were one to be made, but I can't make one right now. Mr. Brown. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thinking back to Thursday night's discussion a little bit, one of the points I made was that what's been clear to me from feedback I've gotten from parents and, and some teachers is that there's a fairly significant majority of support for the late start Monday um, that's currently in place. Um, I think you heard some of the, the aspects of that argument tonight from Ms. Webster, Ms. Solon, who spoke um, in the public comment period. And it just seems like that's fairly clear to me. Um, and the other thing that's clear is that there's also a strong argument for um, adequate planning time. So it, what, what we're kind of left with is how do you strike the balance and do it in a way that's responsive and fair and takes into consideration the recommendations of our professionals. Um, a couple of other general observations. I, I don't think we've done the best job we could do in getting input from a broad um, swath of teachers, staff, and parents. I think it's, I think that's, it seems to be a deficiency in this. And I think that's gonna, something like that is critical for something of this magnitude that we're asking families to adjust to. Um, so at a minimum, I think we have to keep what we currently have in place to not have any disruption or to minimize disruption. You know, so the question becomes, what do we do about the elementary? Since that's the thing we're adding, we would be adding to this um, on top of what we currently have in place. So um, I'm a no on Mr. Welch's motion, um, but I would look forward to a discussion after that, if there's an opportunity after that motion is, is uh, dealt with. Thank you, Mr. Brown. Mr. Welch. 
Thank you. Uh, Mr. Goldman, I'm going to repeat my question from the other night uh, to you and just sort of, again, if you can sum up in very simple terms, what is what is the purpose of uh, the early release proposal? To improve student outcomes. Okay, to improve student outcome. I'm going to write that down again. To improve student outcome. That is why we were doing this. It's kind of the forest for trees, uh, the whole thing. Uh, of the all the proposals that we have heard so far, uh, there's two recommendations that you have brought to the board, an original one and then an adjusted one that you had based upon um, board member feedback and then a third one tonight of all of them. Which plan, in your opinion, in your staff's opinion, in the principal's and building leader's opinion, your teacher's opinion, which one of these plans is best at helping us improve student outcome? The plan that's on the floor with the Wednesdays per the specified schedule for K through 12. Okay, the one that's on the floor right now, the one that you originally recommended is the one that is best for improving student outcome. Thank you, so, which is again, is the entire uh, point of this. So the argument against it, um, and if, Individual board members have a argument that they disagree with Mr. Golden and they disagree with staff and the building principals and everything. I respect that. Let's have that conversation. If you think there is a better plan for improving student outcome, um, but I, I haven't heard it. I haven't heard anyone make that point and that argument coming kind of right out and saying that, that students will do better if we do X instead of Y. Right now, it seems to be the consensus of everyone here that to improve student outcome, which is the entire point of us sending our children here to Wisconsin schools, why frankly people move to this community, why they spend more on their housing and do all these other things. They want improved student outcome to improve their children's future. So it really is kind of the force for the trees um, in that. Um, I made some notes to kind of some other things that I sort of want to um, take on, I guess. Um, one talked about the community appetite to support uh, this uh, amendment. And, and frankly, I'm just going to be very blunt. I, I think it, well, the community that we're talking about right here, it's it's two groups, really, and it comes down to, it's not the community at large so much if you don't have children in Williamson County Schools, if you're not employed by that. Um, I, I don't think you're probably have a really strong vested interest. The people that do care about this the most and what we're really talking about are A, the, the parents themselves or the, the guardians of the, uh, the students and B, I think it's the teachers uh, and staff that are impacted. So that's the community that we're talking about right now for this particular uh, motion. So I wanna focus on that. Um, for the, the teachers, um, I think overwhelmingly they have supported the original motion. In fact, Mr. Golden, I would say, uh, I, I had a conversation with WCEA and they indicated that yes, that was the case. So the teacher's own representation says that they support the original amendment. So this debate about whether or not the teachers do support it, their own representation says they do. And Ms. White, I know, maybe give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. Thank you, Ms. White. The, indicated thumbs up that the teachers do support it. So if you're going to make the argument that they don't, just for the record, you are making the argument against their own recommendation that they don't in that case. 
Um, the second, anecdotally, I think I've seen that they do as well. And that's not to say that every teacher does. I'm sure there are, we've got over 4,000. There's going to be a wide range of views, but overwhelmingly, anecdotally, that's the communication that I've received as well. It's also the communication that we've received from our principals to our staff communicating to us that that's what they're hearing at the building level. And they're saying it because they want more time. It's an argument of 45 minutes and how deep can you get into it? My Lord, how long have we been debating this one thing tonight? I know it's been a lot more than 45 minutes, that's for sure. And so I think about my own professional development, professional career, how deep you can get into it in that amount of time, especially in the group thing, how deep can you get into it? And then there's groups that aren't able to do this. Um, our special education uh, teachers, uh, for one, I know that was one of the main concerns, is that with the 45 minutes, because they're really kind of collaborating, not even, uh, not solely within the schools, but also within, um, across schools that way, that it really puts them at a severe limitation. So our most vulnerable students that need the most, who need that supervision uh, while they're there on time, they're losing out on this by not having that additional time that they're, they're asking for. Um, in terms of um, collecting input from the parents, I would practically say I've been collecting input from parents for 16 years. I'm collecting it at ball games, I'm collecting it at PTO meetings, I'm collecting it at lining fields and selling concessions and campus cleanups and everything else. And the input that I have consistently gotten from parents is, yes, we are willing to make small sacrifices on behalf of our children. In fact, our parents have been willing to make extremely large sacrifices on behalf of our parents. I mean, we've got two PTO board presidents right here and, and Ms. Garrett and Ms. Durham, and I hope they would both say from their own experience that yes, parents have very much been willing to make sacrifices on behalf of their children. If you're not sure about whether or not parents can do that, I say get off Facebook and Facebook groups and polls and get into the schools themselves. Go to a campus cleanup and see what's actually happening there. Watch parents spend three, four hours early in the morning on their day off scrubbing and cleaning and hosing things down and getting the school ready for their children. They are very much willing to make what I would say is a, a very small reasonable sacrifice. And we are asking to make sacrifices. Let me acknowledge that. It's 11 days that we're talking about. Uh, for some will be more than others. Some parents won't be anything at all. They'll just leaving work early 11 days over the entire course of the school year for the goal of uh, being able to improve student outcomes with that. The other thing that I was going to say, if you're looking at feedback from the parents, uh, let me take you back to 2018, February 6, 2018, uh, in fact. And that is a date that we had a countywide referendum. And there it wasn't even parents and teachers, it was everyone. And we asked the community, will you vote yourself a sales, in tax, a sales tax increase in order for that revenue to support schools? And the community voted two to one in order to do that. In an extremely conservative community, which had never done it before, they voted two to one to increase their own sales tax so that they could provide additional financial support and revenue to the schools. So that's some pretty strong feedback right there. I, I see I'm getting the hook. I know if this is the Oscars, the music could be playing right here. So I'm making my final point, Nancy, thank you. 
the, the point here also along with that, though, is I'm seeing a lot of people up for election right now that are taking credit for providing teachers more pay. And that's great. And we voted for it, everything. We all should take the credit. But you know what? Let's be honest. That was an easy vote. We had the money. Do you want to spend the money on increasing teacher pay? Yes. The work that went behind it was the things where some of us did where we expended political capital. We didn't put a Facebook survey and said, do you want to pay a higher sales tax? Yes or no. We went to PTO board meetings. We went to community meetings, everything else. We put our political will out there. We tried to show some leadership and said, we need this. Let me explain the ramifications. Let me get the feedback from you. Will you support this because we want you to support the schools? I think if we had done the same thing with this, what we would find overwhelmingly, what we will find overwhelmingly is our parents will say, absolutely. If this is to improve student outcomes, if this is something that will improve student outcomes, then our parents will overwhelmingly support it, just like our teachers overwhelmingly support it. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Welch. By the request of several people, we're going to take a five-minute break here. So let's take five and be back ready um, for the next group of speakers. Thank you. Everyone, if you'll please be seated. Are y'all ready? Welcome back after that short intermission. Uh, Miss Apriya. just wanted to say, um, I, I attempted the amendment just in the interest of trying to collect all the feedback I heard from everybody and find some sort of compromise. But since it didn't pass, I, I do support Eric's motion. So I will be voting in favor. I just wanted to remind Mr. Golden, as a, as a result of all of this conversation, I think it's very, very clear that sleep time, 
and um, start times for those upper graders is, is clearly a very uh, important issue to a lot of people and something that I know you've mentioned a few times will be discussed during strategic planning for the fall. So um, I, I will be voting in favor of this because 11 instances of good sleep isn't obviously enough anyways. So this gives the teachers the time they need for planning, but I, I really want to reinforce and hope that you will take a strong look at the start times for secondary going into next year. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Galbraith. Thank you, Madam Chair. I would, um, I'd like to make a motion to, uh, to amend this motion um, to reflect the, the item that was brought forth um, in the agenda to, to move the secondary schools back to the 27 days, um, late start Mondays. Is there a time uh, limit on the 27 days, the, the 45 minutes? The 45 minutes as, as reflected in the, right. in the superintendent's recommendation for today. Ms. Osbrooks, do you need any additional information? No. Okay. So we have we have an amendment on the floor. Is there a second? Mr. Brown seconds. Now we'll discuss the amendment. If uh, Mr. Wimberly, do you want to speak to the amendment? Mr. Mitchell, do you want to speak to the amendment? Please go ahead. Um, Ms. Osbrook, so this amendment is effectively moving the motion that is on the floor back to the, as I understand it, back to what was written in the agenda. Is that correct? I, I don't have what's written in the agenda in front of me, but what I understand it to be is moving the secondary to 27 days, 45 minutes late start. Right. Instead of the 11 11. days of early dismissal that Mr. Welch recommended. Okay. Correct. So if this amendment fails, are we still going to, and the motion fails, will we still be able to make an additional motion? That would yes, be the original the, amendment or the, that, that would go back, it would be the, uh, the, the, I guess the policy, nah, I'm still not finding the right word. That is the agenda item. You understand what I'm asking? I do. And what I, what I don't know is how this differs from the agenda item. It doesn't sound like it does based on what. I can speak to my understanding as superintendent. Mr. Welch made a motion that was based on the, the proposal from May. And it was in memo form. Mr. Galbraith has made a motion to alter that motion to the extent it's consistent with the memo from June 13. So we have a we have an amendment to that. So that's that's if, I, and if I understand that my I guess so, I, so, what so, I can't so, answer. So let me give, let me give you my yeah. thought here if okay. I can. Is I don't believe that that pre, that preempts us from being able from the chair to ask for additional motions on this agenda I will, item. I agree with that. What what y'all all discussed at the work session was that we would continue with this item until something passed. 
So if the amendment on the floor and the main motion both fail, then yes, the chair can ask for any additional business on this item. Thank you. Um, and then I, I'll have some comments when we get back to the original motion, but that's all. Mr. Wimberly, your comments on, did you, did you buzz in again or? Okay, you passed, okay. Mr. Brown, are your comments on the amendment? Okay. The, the original motion. Okay, all right. Any, does anyone want to comment on the amendment? Mr. Welch. I'd just like to ask for a recommendation from Mr. Golden on Mr. Galbraith's amendment. Thank you. Are we ready for that? If there's any more, I'll, I'll do that at the final discussion, if I may, Madam Chair. If you'll do it at the final, then I can wait for that. Thank you. That's all that I had. I don't see anyone requesting to speak. And Mr. Brown, since I turned your microphone on, when we get back to the motion, please remind me that you're after Mr. Wimberly. Okay, thank you. Madam Chair, I'm, I'm going to give my recommendation with a caveat. Whichever of these two motions is on the floor, I will recommend. So to cut this Gordian knot, I ask that each of you vote your conscience based on the detail of the discussion that we had at the work session, knowing that I recommend this amendment and I recommend the underlying motion as well. Whichever one ends up passing, we will support. May I follow up then, Ms. Garrett, in that case? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not the chair. Oh, you're going to yes. follow up the question to me. Of the two amendments, the original, the original motion and the amendment that was made, which do you prefer? Prefer the original. Okay. Thank you. I see no other requests to speak. So, board members, you're casting your vote on the amendment that has been brought forward by Mr. Galbraith. Please cast your votes. Ms. Apria? No. Did you say no? Yes, ma'am. Okay, thank you. Your vote is four yes, six no. Now I believe we're back to the discussion on the original mo motion and we have in the queue Mr. Wimberly and Mr. Brown. Mr. Wimberly. Uh, the question may be moot at this point, but it was going to be, what if we can't get seven votes for anything tonight? Um, if I may answer, oh, oh you can answer the I procedure. I was going to say then we never leave. Um, I have a different opinion. <laughs> oh, but we will. <laughs> Here, here's where I am. And we talked about this at the work session. If the board can't come to a conclusion that that any particular elementary program is something that seven of you can agree on. I don't want to lose the secondary. So my request of you would be, if you can't agree on anything, somebody make a motion to at the least approve the, the, the longstanding secondary plan. Mr. Brown. Oh, he, sorry, Mr. Uh, sorry, Mr. Wimberly. Uh, never mind. Thank you, Mr. Wimberly. Mr. Brown. Thank you, Madam Chair. I, I just want to be crystal clear about this, that 
if we if we support the motion that's on the floor that Mr. Welch has brought, we are eliminating late start Mondays. That is correct. Late start anything. And I want parents, families out there who are watching to understand that because that's that's a decision we're making. Um, again, I'll reiterate that whether whether Mr. Welch thinks this is a good idea or not, I have reached out. I'm the one who reached out on Facebook. If he didn't mention my name, but I'm the one who put the Facebook poll out there. A constituent of mine volunteered, a parent volunteered to create the poll. And I graciously agreed, um, or she graciously agreed to do that. I put it on my Facebook page. She, she, she collated the information. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing to ask parents for their input. I don't think it's a bad thing to ask citizens for their input. Um, so I'm not going to apologize for that, Eric. Um, so yes, the majority of the feedback I have gotten from parents, teachers, has been that the late start is the preference. You can question the motives of those folks who have that opinion all you want. That's the opinion. That's the feedback. Um, to the point about whether teachers support this, I'm sure that there are a quite a large number of teachers who support it. Uh, your your proposal, the late the early release. My point was not whether they support it or not, but whether they were all asked for their input. How many of them were asked for their input? That was my point. Um, and, I, and I stated that pretty clearly that I think there has not been enough done to ask for the input of parents and all teachers and staff who will be affected by this. So for that reason, I am advocating for the proposal that was laid out in the memo tonight in our packet and that we keep late start as an option for middle middle and secondary students, which I believe, again, is where the majority of people are who have students who fall into that category. Mr. Mitchell. Thank you, Madam Chair. All right, so trying to find some win, a win-win option here. Um, we do the late start and actually snow days, built-in snow days as well, due to the fact that we run our, we, we run the, the class, the schools an extra half, half hour, extra half hour every day. And so that gives us enough time to do the, what is it, the 21 late, late starts, is it? Half hours, the inclement days, we do an extra seven minutes for the for the late start. And how many late starts do we have? Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. So seven minutes gets us twenty-seven. Those twenty-seven days, and we in a half hour gets us the ten snow days. So, what I would propose, and I and I don't think we can we begin making sausage tonight, is that how do we how do we find a win-win here? Do we potentially pull back our 10 snow days to seven snow days and use that time as, as late start time. I don't know how many days that gets you and I'm not, we're not asking that we do that math tonight, but I do think there are mechanisms available to us. And this kind of goes to Mr. Haw's point of saying, how do we address late starts every day, all year long, right? But I do think we have 
we have mechanisms available to us to can keep the late start dates and potentially do the early release as well by maybe adding another seven minutes or as I said reducing the number of inclement weather days from 10 down to seven or five or something of that nature knowing knowing that the cost of that is that if we reduce it to five and we have seven snow days then we're going to school an extra two days at, after Memorial Day or something of that right but that's kind of my recommendation is regardless of what happens tonight we potentially look at that as a way to get to get to our win-win where we've accommodated both both sides thank you that's a that's a longer term question we'd have to have conversations um, with uh, with the WCA through the through the uh, calendar committee process uh, and and teacher leaders through that also, I, I'd have to double check on whether we need a waiver from the Commissioner of Education related to the inclement days. I just don't know that off the top of my head. Mr. Galbraith. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, I'm fine to just let us let us take an up or down vote on 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 this plan. Um, if it if it doesn't pass, then then I plan to bring up the Jason. So if if we can't get his original that that the superintendent didn't think he had the votes for if we can't get that one my plan is to bring this one back up again the one that he recommended and and maybe we can get enough votes for for that and if not then we bring it back up and we um with just the just the late start status quo that's if it's if that is okay with everybody i mean let's just let's just see where everybody is mr welch Thank you. So I want to clarify something here, Josh. I never questioned the motives of the parents who answered that survey. I've never stated that. So, so I, I appreciate not put sort of words in my mouth and statements that I haven't made that way. What I would say, though, is running your own district-wide poll is quite literally case study number 17 in the book study that we did of how not to be a terrible board member. I know you weren't on the board when we did that case study, but I believe you got a copy of that book. So I would encourage you to go back and read that. Because what you're talking about doing is literally what we've been told not to do as board members. And the reason why we're told not to do that is not because we don't want to collect parent feedback. Again, I've been collecting parent feedback for 16 years. And I encourage you to do the same. Go into the schools and do it that way. Go to a campus cleanup. Because sort of the gist of this is what this is boiling down to is it's not a question of whether or not that we're going to improve student outcome or not. It seems that we've all agreed that the plan that Mr. Golden is recommending, again, that the staff is recommending, that his building principals are recommending, that the teacher's own representation has said they recommend is the preferred option. The only question is whether or not our parents have the appetite, as you put it, for it. And I would argue that if you did a poll and you asked simply, do you support making a small sacrifice in order to improve student outcome that you would get a very different set of results that way from your Facebook poll? Just, just, just a point of order. I would like us to stay focused on uh, the motion at hand. Um, 
and I'm going on to Mr. Cash now. Do we have a second? Uh, Mr. Welch, second? Roll call. Glenn? You'll do a Miss Glenn will do a roll call vote. This is the uh, call the question. Jenna Priya? Yes. Jay Galbraith? Yes. Rick Wimberly? Derek Welch? Casey Paul? Nancy Barrett? Yes. Your vote is 10 yes, 2 absent. Then we'll go to the um, original motion on the floor. No further debate. Would, would you like to recap that for us? It's been a while. I, I usually ask the Miss Glenn. Miss Glenn, yeah. Switch late start days to early release days. Increase the elementary school day by seven minutes. Reduce the current 27 days to 11 days, increasing the time for each from 45 minutes to 112 minutes to use the seven minutes. Early release days are to be Wednesdays. Board members, please cast your votes. Recommend approval. Ms. Apriya? Yes. Ms. Apriya votes yes. Your vote is six yes. Four no. Do we have another motion? Mr. Galbraith? Hold on just a second, please. There you go. I move to accept the agenda item, the plan that was placed on the agenda for 613. Um, that reflects late start days for secondary, 45 minutes each, and the proposed early release schedule for elementary at um, for Wednesdays at 112 minutes each. Mr. Mitchell seconds. Board members, is there any discussion? Is there a staff recommendation? Recommend approval. Board members, please cast your votes. Ms. Apriya? Yes. Ms. Apriya votes yes. Mr. Brown and Mr. Welch. Your vote is 10 yes, zero no. Thank you, board. Our next item is the approval of the differentiated play, pay plan, which is an annual agenda item. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, this differentiated pay plan is a state report that, that, is, that contains content that is generated as a result of both your budget meetings and vote 
and your pay scale. So we do recommend approval so we can submit this to the state. Do we have a motion to approve? Ms. Durham. And we have a second by Mr. Mitchell. Board members, any discussion? I see no request for discussion. Please cast your votes. Ms. Apria? Yes. Your vote is 10 yes, zero no. Thank you, board members. And the next item is the approval of school board meeting dates, which is an annual agenda item. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, we have the uh, proposal for next year's uh, um, scheduled meetings based on board policy. I do want to mention that December is not in there. We have in past years had a placeholder uh, for December. In the event we need a meeting, we will call a special called meeting uh, for a particular day in December. Do recommend approval. Is there a motion to approve, Ms. Durham? Mr. Cash seconds. Board members, any discussion? Mr. Mitchell. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Mr. Golden, so what is the advance what, what, for the special called meeting in December if we need one? What is our, um, what is the deadline for doing that? I, I'm going to speak legal with a caveat that Dana needs to correct me and then practical. Uh, legally, it can be as little as two days if it's an emergency. Um, but practically, we'll be, we'll know by the by the November by the November board meeting if we need a December meeting. And and if we just needed a work session or a policy meeting, would that be does that require notice as well, or is that yes, it, it would require notice as well. In our um, board policies, we request uh, five days notice for the special meeting, unless, like Mr. Golden said, it is an emergency, <laughs> and then it's forty eight hours. I would anticipate, absent some emergency, we would be able to give you the five days I'll, notice. I'll support this. My preference is to go ahead and have it penciled in and cancel it as opposed to having to make the decision to call it. But I'll support it as it's written. Thank you, board members. I don't see any other requests to speak. Mr. Galbraith? I guess on, on that point, if it's possible if we could just really literally put a put something on the calendar but not on this agenda just so if there are any board members who need to make travel plans or whatever they we could we could just know that that's out there Thank um, you for that I, as, as the chief administrator I would I've, what I'll talk to miss Garrett about is December 15th so feel free to pencil that in that's a Thursday it's the, it would be the ordinary work session day if I'm not mistaken um, again that's that, that's that's for i think that's the best of both worlds so thank you i don't see anyone else requesting discussion please cast your votes miss apria yes your vote is 10 yes zero no thank you board members and before we adjourn i i just want to address one thing that came up during our extended discussion of um, of the early release. Um, so, and I feel like I, I feel like I need to state this publicly for the record um, and also invite board members discussion and, and input on, on, because it seems like there was some confusion about the way that motion went. So 
as we were talking about it, I remember, and we can go back and probably look at this on the recording, I remember that there were a number of ways that we thought that we would address this. And then the last thing that was said by Mr. Golden was, uh, he asked Ms. Osbrooks to, to check and send a follow-up email to all of us about how we would proceed. So when I, when I got this, I was surprised that we had some different ideas about how we would proceed, but it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility that we all interpreted this differently. So if you have some suggestions about how to make that more clear in the future, please provide them and, and let's work together um, to eliminate those areas where um, there, there might be a lack of clarity in some areas where we can improve. So with that, I'll adjourn this meeting. Thank you.